Hi, I'm Dan Halliday, and I'm a philosopher at Melbourne Uni. And I'm Christian Barry, a philosopher at the Australian National University. Dialogues is a philosophy podcast with a bit of a difference. My case is a bit unusual. We actually get members of the public... I would really like to see Australians giving a fair go... ...to help us do the philosophy. We were on the housing waitlist for nearly four years. I, I wouldn't have anything, so I don't know. Yeah, I'm not really sure how... Oh, that's really hard. ...where you draw the line, where you say, like, that's not OK, but that is. In this episode, we're going to talk about the ethics of giving about our obligations to help people in need. And today we're joined by Holly Lawford-Smith. Hi, Christian. Hi, Dan. OK, guys, I think an obvious place to start this time is with homelessness. How should we feel when we walk past a homeless person in the street whom we might give something to? And what's it actually like being homeless in the first place? Hello, I'm Brad and I'm 23. I was only 15 when I was on the streets. I was on the streets for three and a half years. Um, I was originally from Shepparton, but I come down to Melbourne for a holiday and my house burnt down when I was down here, so I had nowhere to go back to. Uh, I was with my dad and my little cousin, and he moved back to Shepparton, but I stayed down here with dad on the streets. Like, I, we were on the way housing waitlist for nearly four years, and that was, and we were prioritised because I was so young, because I was still a kid. It's a big topic, you, can, you know, you could go on about it for days and come from all different points of views. Hi, I'm Riley, I'm 19 years old. I think it's really horrible that there's so many people that are becoming homeless in Melbourne and across the world, really. Um, I don't think I have a direct responsibility, but, like, I suppose who I vote for might be a responsibility because... Who I vote for, I want them to make decisions to improve that situation. Okay, so, you know, one thing that's quite striking about Brad's story is that it reveals that, look, homelessness can, I think, happen to anyone. First of all, it can and does happen to kids, right? And there's nothing really that they can do to protect themselves against that. But even adults, right? If my house burnt down and I lost my job, chances are I'd be looking at homelessness, right? And I think that goes for an awful lot of people, you know? Yeah, so I think that's right. Um, and maybe that helps to tell us something about how we should feel and how we should respond when we come across someone who's sleeping rough. Yeah. Um, so we should kind of feel empathy for their situation. And it might be important to show that by acknowledging them in some way. So make eye contact. And if you feel like you can't give anything at that time, um, maybe apologize and um it just kind of shows some sort of uh, recognition as you walk by rather than ignoring them, as I think a lot of people tend to do. Yeah, so that sort of covers one aspect of what you think an appropriate response is when you sort of encounter someone who's homeless. But beyond that, what are people's obligations? That is, how should we should we feel responsible in some deeper sense? Should we feel com- that it's important to give to them directly? Um, what exactly should the response be? I guess how uh, ethicists tend to think about it is not whether you have no responsibility or some, it's to whom your responsibilities are. So I think a lot of the discussion then will be about whether you owe the homeless person right in front of you in Melbourne um, or you should use that money to do something kind of more efficient like give to malaria prevention overseas. Mm, Yeah, that's a really good question. I mean, a a lot of people, and I think I'm one of them, are attracted to the view that, look, homelessness is is literally on our doorstep, isn't it, right? Like malaria or whatever it is, you know, halfway around the world, that can be a hard problem to solve because it's miles away, Mm -hmm. right? We can, sure, we can throw a heap of money at it and it will probably make a bit of a difference, but it's hard. Whereas, look, in Melbourne, we've got heaps of apartments, some of them are empty, and there's people living on the street. That 
it seems to maybe I'm being a bit dumb, but it seems to me that we could fix this problem quite quickly. Uh, not as individuals, but if the government could fix it quite quickly. Mm. Yeah, well, one, one thing that Riley pointed out is she made this distinction between what she as an individual has an obligation to do and what sort of her political representative should be. Now, it, yeah. seems, it would seem a little bit odd if we thought that the political representatives um, in Victoria should be spending all of their budget on fighting malaria mm. abroad. Right. It certainly seems that they have certain kind of special responsibilities to address the social problems that exist within Victorian society here. Um, but it doesn't necessarily follow from that, that she herself should be making decisions in the way in which they should be making decisions. Maybe she as an individual should be concerned about malaria and all the other causes that she might get the biggest bang for her buck. Yeah, uh, a lot of people are going to say, well, you know, charity begins at home or whatever. I, mean, I think the one plausible thought behind that is that, well, we can throw money at problems overseas, but we don't always have a lot of certainty about how much good we're going to do. But right, you know, like I said, right here in Melbourne, people living on the streets, empty apartments. So I think we want to look more closely at this question of priorities, right? So should we be funding things like, I don't know, the arts, when we could be putting the money to people in need, like homelessness or malaria sufferers or whatever. Hi, I'm Riley. I mean, there's been times when I've been out, going out one night, and I like have just walked past all these people, like, just sleeping on the street, and I'm just kind of like, oh God, I've just spent like $20 on like alcohol when I could have helped, like, done this. But then I think like, mm, but like, I've saved up that money to go out for myself to make myself more positive, like have a more positive mindset and have more fun. Because I think we should cut things that are really, really, really detrimental to the world as a whole, then cut things that are actually beneficial to our culture and people's mental health and that kind of stuff, like the arts, for example. Hi, I'm Vanessa and I've just turned 20 years old. Without the arts, we don't really have... I, I wouldn't have anything, so I don't know. <laughs> oh, that's really hard. I think the arts make us more sensitive and aware of things like these issues, so it's, you know, they're linked together, you can't really separate, separate them. Um, and of course it's important to give money to the less fortunate, but that doesn't mean we should forget about the arts. Yeah, so I think I'm actually with Vanessa on this one. Um, I remember when the Syrian refugee crisis was starting, there were these new charities popping up and there was a charity working on delivering musical instruments to one of the largest refugee camps. And when I first heard of that, I thought, you know, that's, that's ridiculous, get your priorities straight. Um, these people need blankets and food and shelter and so on. Um, yeah, but then you think about it a bit more and you think, what, what are they, these people doing to pass the day? Like, what is the quality of life like living in a refugee camp? And then you see, actually, this charity's amazing and doing something really important because it's making life you know, meaningful and it allows people to come together in a community and play music and listen to music and sing and I don't know, it, yeah, it adds pleasure and value and meaning to the quality of life, not just kind of keeping people alive. I think that's mm. really important. Yeah, so I think a lot of the discussion about the arts and about homelessness is about not whether what things are necessarily valuable, but about what kinds of things we should be paying for with mm. government, mm. right, with taxes. So at least some people think that um, you know, look, when you have people who have fallen on bad luck, who have ended up in, for reasons beyond their control, or even when they're partly under their control, when they end up really badly, there's nobody else who's really going to step in and help these people, then clearly it's the role of government to do that. Whereas when it comes to arts, people may be saying, look, 
if it's so valuable, if it's so important, then people will pay for it. And that's how we should fund the arts. We should fund the arts by letting people pay for things that they actually find meaning in and enjoy. One thing that I, that I find quite striking about, well, the question as well as the answers, is that it's easy to get into the view that all these different priorities are completely unrelated from each other. Right? It's either or. Like either we go out and feed people or cure diseases or we spend it on you know, supporting artists as if these are actually completely separate things, right? At the end of the day, having access to the arts or, or well, whatever it is that might be provided for us that costs money can be part of, well, helping keeping us together so that we don't end up in dire straits. I think that's quite important. Yeah, I mean, again, that seemed to be part of Vanessa's original point, right, that through art we have understanding and empathy of one another's experience, um, and that might be a really important factor in getting people to have the moral understanding required to want to help each other. So when it comes to these kinds of, um, yeah, people are, are desperate or people are hungry and we want everyone in the society to want to take care of them, one way we can get that to happen is through the arts. Riley mentioned that you know she f maybe feels a little bit guilty when she goes out and, well, so to speak, prioritises herself, right? spends money at the pub instead of giving it to, to a homeless person who, who might be on the street outside. But again, it's not either or. I mean, why should people like Riley cut that kind of expenditure when you know, there might be an opportunity for the government to, let's say, not build that new freeway? You know, or not not spend money on something that actually might not be so important after all, and allocate it to helping the homeless or, or some other kind of cause, and those of us can still go out for a drink once in a while. Yeah, going back to something that Holly said, though, of course, if we know that our government isn't doing that, if we know that those kinds of agencies which really should be responsible for things aren't taking care of it, then we are kind of back to the individual so that Riley, much as she might think that it would really the best thing that should happen is that the government should be taking care of it, she still does face this dilemma that whether or not her putting herself in the better mindset is so much more worthy use of her resources than actually helping someone who might be on the street. Yeah, that's exactly right. Um, so I think what she was suggesting towards the end was that uh, people should give up really luxurious goods. And so maybe she was hinting towards putting alcohol into that category. I'm not really <laughs> sure. Um, but but not give up things like the arts, which would kind of be in the middle there. But I think if you're really going to just think about what your priorities should be as an individual, um, you might not be able to make that distinction so neatly between fun nights out um, and the arts. You're really going to have this push towards helping desperate people. Okay, so let's see what folks think about this, you know, this problem. Is it what should we do when someone else doesn't do it? What do people think about that? Hi, I'm James, I'm 19 years old. When private citizens feel the need to do more than their part, that is great for them and, that, and I will absolutely support them. But I believe a government's duty is also to its citizens and they should be providing resources to, you know, help the disenfranchised and all that. So yeah, I, I, don't, I don't see why we, why we would want to get rid of one or the other when they're both helping. Hello, I'm Brad. I think both the government and um, each individual per people, pe persons should open their eyes, have a look at the problem and tackle it head on. Like someone was telling me now that from sometime soon people that are living on the footpaths are getting fined and all their stuff's getting thrown out. Like That's, that's just going to send the crime through the roof and more people are going to, like I said, they're going to be stealing blankets and stuff because their stuff gets stolen. They don't want to, well, not stolen, it gets taken by the council 
but that's not helping the problem at all. Yeah, actually, I think I'm going to disagree with both James and Brad here and uh, and say that I really think that this obligation falls to government. Um, so here's an example I like. Uh, there's the question of who's the better parent, the parent who um, has a swimming pool without a fence but watches their toddler 24 hours a day to make sure the toddler doesn't fall in, or the parent who builds a really secure fence around the pool so the toddler can't fall in and then doesn't have to waste cognitive energy watching them all the time and can do other things. And that's kind of the way I think about charitable obligations in a society. I mean, people have a lot of things to think about and a lot of their own projects to get on with, and it would just be great if government would implement a good policy um, that fulfills those obligations and let individuals get on with uh, get on with other things. Trouble with governments is when they see problems in the real world, often what they do is try and solve them just by relying on criminal law, right? Like what Brad said, right? They just try and punish people so that something will change. And you see this in all sorts of cases, like the whole war on drugs thing in the United States. And you know, it's the lazy approach to trying to solve problems, but it's the approach that governments are very tempted to take. But, you know, charities or individuals don't have this resource. We can't criminalise stuff, right? So you know, I, think, I think James might be right that you, you need to keep a bit of space. You, you don't just want to rely on government to, to fix problems, given that government will do this kind of stuff. Yeah, well, I think there's some important issues just about what kind of agents are in a better position to know whether or not giving money is going to be good for someone or not, because just as governments can make bad decisions about how to deal with need, individuals can also make bad decisions about how to deal with need. So generally, there is a real epistemic issue there. We don't really know what people are going to do with the money we give them. We don't know if we're going to be giving someone, maybe for no fault of their own, they've fallen on hard times and they've developed a drug habit or some sort of substance dependency. So we may be just fueling someone's habit. To what extent should we actually be worried about giving money to people where that's actually going to be doing more harm than good? Governments, at least in principle, might be in a better situation with respect to knowing how the best way to use resources to address different problems. Okay, yeah. So governments have access to information, let's, let's put it that way. Um, I just worry that with the kind of incentives on politicians, you know, tough on crime or that kind of stuff, is they'll take the lazy option too often. We at least need to find a way to design government so that the constant resort to criminal law, which in the long run is really expensive, right? Locking people up, is, apart from being bad for them, is, is really expensive. We want to design government so that that isn't the sort of path of least resistance that they take, you know? Yeah, I mean, I guess... I I, I agree with you what you're saying about government, but I think you're just pointing to one strategy government can take, and that doesn't Does show that. Problem. Well, it doesn't show that in a choice between having private individuals manage homelessness by by individual donations and having government have a good policy, that we should choose individuals. It, it shows that if we choose government, we shouldn't want them to take this lazy strategy mm. of just criminalising homelessness, which I agree with you mm. won't solve mm. the problem. But of course, we can think of good policies that government can implement. Um, yeah, re drug rehabilitation programs and um, more affordable housing. For and, sure. Yeah. Yeah, as I said earlier, it, it does seem like a fixable problem. Yeah. Um, so it is actually particularly distressing when you hear about governments trying to solve it in the way that Brad talked about, you know. Yeah, agreed. Yeah, I think also, like, we've probably been talking about the problem in an overly simplistic way, as if the only issue is that sort of government has programs where individuals are actually directly giving money to people on the street. There are lots of organizations which are not governmental organizations, mm -hmm. which can also become informed about different kinds of strategies for addressing homelessness, different 
ways of providing services to people. And sometimes maybe the best thing we might do as individuals is actually be contributing to them rather than directly to individuals. There's also a real risk often that the people who get resources from people directly are the people who tend to be most aggressive, who are most in a better, yeah. best in a position to actually put themselves in front of people rather than necessarily the people who are most in need or the people who are actually going to use these resources in the best way. Yeah, so I think that's a nice point, and it ties back to your earlier thought about um, uncertainty, right? So these organizations, too, will be in a better position than individuals to know what to do uh, and how to help in a way that's likely to succeed. Right, well, just to sort of wrap up, I think, I think one, one thing that I've learned from this is that when it comes to working out where we should prioritize, we shouldn't look at the different options as totally in conflict with each other. We need to think about what the relations are between them and sometimes, sometimes it's not either or, right? Yeah, and I think another point is just that we need to think about which types of agents are best placed to make decisions that are actually going to be benefiting the people that we want to benefit. Indeed, yeah, yeah. Dialogues is an Ethics Matters podcast. It was produced by Snodger Media and funded by a University of Melbourne Engagement Grant and the School of Philosophy at the ANU.